The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter and the guest co-host chair is Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett. He hasn't been here since October. It's way too long for another 40-yard dash. So he's back leading up to my trip to Florida. Colin's going to go solo this week, maybe with Bennett Hip. We'll see. I leave that to y'all. I don't even care. How you doing? Good, man. It was, uh, it was a good weekend of football. I don't know if you can beat that wild card weekend. It was great. The first two games really set the tone. Okay, here you go was the Buffalo Bills-Houston Texans game the best, worst game you've ever seen or the worst, best game you've ever seen? Oh, that's a that's a great qualifier. I think it's uh, I think it's the best, worst because, well, I don't know, man. Watching Deshaun Watson, and look, I'm a Deshaun Watson stan. Um, watching what he did yesterday against uh, a really good defense, that, that, that made me feel good. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll say worst, best, but uh, 
you, you could argue either way. Purely from an entertainment standpoint, it was up there. It was too much fun. The stupidity of the game was too much fun. <laughs> but from an Ole Miss standpoint, you had a number of players participating in the postseason this weekend. The greatest moment this weekend was who? Yeah, it was it was DK's. Uh, I, I don't know. You could argue either. I, I mean, it has to be the touchdown. But uh, the the catch to seal the game was just as impressive. It was more acrobatic, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I mean, D- DK's touchdown that I guess essentially you know put the game out of reach. Uh, because if he doesn't score that touchdown, obviously Eagles kick some field goals and probably win the game. So, yeah, I think it has to be uh, DK's touchdown there in the third quarter. Well, you know about my fandom for A.J. Brown. I don't apologize for it. I wish I could go out there and find a moment that I could give it to A.J. Brown, but I can't. DK had a monster day on Sunday. The Seahawks went into Philadelphia. They were better than Philadelphia. The only reason Philadelphia was in the playoffs is because the Cowboys shit the bed this year. Let's be honest. (laughs) I'm a Cowboys fan. I can say this. But DK went in, set the NFL record for the most receiving yards, 160 by a rookie in their playoff debut. Among his seven catches, a 53-yard catch for a touchdown midway through the third quarter and a 36-yard catch between two defenders in the final minutes, as Colin mentioned, of the fourth to seal the game for the Seahawks. And for the year, at the end of the regular season, DK had unreal numbers. He was the seventh wide receiver selected in the NFL draft. I would love for anyone to try to name the other six in front of him. You know about Marquise Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown. You know about Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and also Nikhil Harry, the 32nd pick in the first round. But can you name the other ones? One played for Philadelphia on Sunday. Yeah, our Sega Whiteside. Well, of course you should be able to. <laughs> DK outproduced every single one of them except for A.J. Brown, his former Ole Miss teammate. He finished the regular season tied for scoring among rookies in receptions, tied for third in receiving touchdowns, third in receiving yards. He was also fourth among rookies in receptions with 20 or more yards and fourth among all qualifying pass catchers in percentage of receptions that resulted in a first down. I'll never understand how he lasted to the very last pick in the second round. It makes no sense to me. Chris Collinsworth said during the broadcast after DK has put on this show, I had him as the seventh overall pick in the draft. And he was like he was speaking for Ole Miss fans. Yeah. I think NFL scouts, and I think I said this last week on the podcast, they overthink this stuff. The same thing with Deshaun Watson. The biggest story coming out of the Texans game in Cleveland was, why wasn't Deshaun Watson the pick when he came out? They picked Baker the next year, but Mitch Trubisky went ahead of him. They overthink this stuff. If you watched A.J. Brown, if you watched D.K. Metcalf, they produced. Now, D.K. is in the perfect situation for his talents. He's a great deep ball route runner. And who's the best deep ball thrower in the NFL? It's Russell Wilson. So I grant you that these two spots for these two particular players are perfect. Still doesn't excuse every single NFL team passing on D.K. Metcalf at least once in the draft. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's funny you look back, and, and DK was, you know, obviously emotional that night that he doesn't get picked in the first round. He's expected to in the last and the end of the second round. I don't think he would trade anything because, like you mentioned, I mean, th- this is the perfect spot for him. Um, I think Russell Wilson's one of, if not the best quarterback in the league. He's phenomenal at throwing deep balls, and that's uh, that's DK's specialty. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he would trade anything of how that worked out for him. Um, because man, he's, he's, he's put on in, in Seattle where I think there could have been some systems that he goes to that maybe he does, he's not able to have the success that he's had this year. The best part of it was that DK and AJ and Dawson Knox all got to participate in the postseason in their rookie campaigns. None of those guys got to experience the postseason in college, but they were all loyal. They all stayed at Ole Miss despite all the NCAA nonsense and not being able to participate in a bowl. In DK, yeah, he got injured at Ole Miss, but A.J. Brown was still there. Dawson was still there. Greg Little was still there. Jordan Tiama, who's going to start for the St. Louis Skyhawks, I think. 
in the XFL at quarterback. Javon Patterson, Scotty Phillips, Sean Rawlings. And they only won five games. That will never be okay with me. That's the moment I knew, and I think most Ole Miss fans knew, that the Matt Luke experiment was either not going to work or real trouble in the air. It was pretty obvious at that point. If you can't win with that group, it doesn't matter who the coaches are. Players make coaches ultimately. It's not like Dabo Swinney is some god to football. He recruits like crazy. And if Ole Miss can only win five games and only one game in the SEC with that group, I know the defense was bad. I know DK got hurt. Still doesn't excuse it. Because early in the season, you were losing games you shouldn't have been losing. You know, obviously, Matt gets fired at the end of 2019. But you're right. I think the season that probably did him in is the year before. When If Matt Luke goes 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four in 2018, he's still the coach today, right? Uh, even with a 4-8 and eight this year. So, yeah, you're right. That, that's the year you look back on and and probably the year that wound up costing him his job. Now, look, obviously things happened in 2019 that brought that to the forefront, but I, I still contend if he has, if 28, 2019 goes the exact same way it did and he won eight games in 2018, uh, I think he's still the coach in Oxford today. Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you real quick about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the oldest and proudest sponsor of Talk of Champions. What's your New Year's resolution? Maybe it's to finally get in shape. Learn a new language, an instrument. Here's one for you. How about a new car? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Do you think with Lane Kiffin, even having Wesley McGriff as the defensive coordinator, and that defense putting forth a similar type of production, that he only wins five games? Oh, God, no. I no. think... Uh, yeah, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, I'm just going through. That's seven right there. No, he, he at least went seven to eight for sure. <laughs> the defense was bad, but there were times in which the defense did enough to where the offense didn't live up to its side of it. Absolutely. Look, Wesley McGriff, this is the comparison that was given to me, is Wesley McGriff wrecked a Pinto and Phil Longo wrecked a Ferrari. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, kind of is what it is at this point. But it was uh, it was a rough 2018 for sure. I'm done with that. I won't bring it up anymore. But it was still a cool thing to see. A.J. Brown, D.K. Dawson, all participating in the postseason. They didn't get that opportunity at Ole Miss. And if any guys out there in the pros deserve that opportunity, it's them. Every Ole Miss fan knows what those kids went through. A.J. Brown could have yeah. gone anywhere, and he didn't. A.J. Brown stayed. D.K. Metcalf stayed. Arizona State desperately wanted D.K. Metcalf, was willing to do anything to bring him over to the West Coast. Dawson Knox, he yeah. stayed. They announced they stayed, and that means something. Yeah. I know the results weren't there, and everything else was bad, but think about how bad it would have been. It was already terrible, but think about how truly awful it would have been had those guys actually left. They were the only thing Ole Miss fans had to hang on to, and that means something. I think these guys are going to go down in the record books as some of the most beloved Ole Miss Rebels ever, and they should. 
that's what I was kind of getting at. You know, obviously they had the uh, NFL guys in the 2016 draft with Kim Dietschy and Tunzel and Treadwell. And obviously Treadwell has not had the career that he's probably hoped for. And uh, Kim Dietschy, you know, that is what it is. But it just doesn't feel like Ole Miss fans navigated towards those guys uh, like they are these three. Now, look, you know, they're putting up stats. Tunzel can't exactly put up stats where he's just kicking everybody's ass at left tackle. Um, so maybe that plays into some of it, but I do feel like that Ole Miss fans for the most part have embraced these three guys compared to, you know, the, the way that those three guys were embraced. I give you one of DK or AJ Brown, take their career for the rest of the way in the NFL. Who you taking? I'm going to take DK for the simple reason of, wow. I, well, here's my reasoning. I know what he is. He's got at quarterback. I don't know what the Titans are going to do long-term at quarterback. Um, so that's why now, I mean, you know, if, if AJ was playing for the uh, Seattle Seahawks, I think I'd take him. Who lasts longer? AJ, because I think DK is going to get popped the way that they run him on routes. I, th- I just kind of think that he's going to take some body shots that, that'll wear on him over time. His durability has always been the question mark. Yeah. Which of the criticism that DK took, uh, that one was one that was actually fair. Uh, it's kind of hard. Yeah, that, that's, that's the one that was actually a fair criticism of him. That one you couldn't deny, but the NFL combine numbers were nuts. He ran a 4-3-3-40, which was the fastest yeah. time ever for a player weighing more than 225 pounds. He also recorded a 40.5-inch vertical and bench-pressed 225 pounds 29 times. But NFL scouts doing what NFL scouts do. The three-cone was bad. What else was there? It's it was like, like a shuttle, yeah. Yeah. 20-yard shuttle, yeah. It's like scouts go into it looking for reasons to drop prospects down their board. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. At some point, the tape is what it is. You can tell guys that are otherworldly. Deshaun Watson, otherworldly. How in the world he dropped to 14th or whatever it was for the Texans with Mitch Trubisky getting taken ahead of him, I'll never understand. The Browns needed a quarterback and didn't take Deshaun Watson number one overall. Instead, they went with Miles Garrett. I get it. I'd go with it too, but still... You needed a quarterback. That's where it all starts. Baker Mayfield, I don't think anyone knows what Baker is going to be. The jury is still out, but you know exactly what Deshaun Watson is. But you still can't tell me that AJ should have fallen to midway through the second round or that DK would have had six other receivers taken ahead of him. Can you name the other wide receivers taken ahead of DK? I told you the first three. The other is Debo Samuel, who was taken a couple spots ahead of AJ. But can you name the other ones? One of the players was playing for the Eagles against DK, and he did nothing. <laughs> Our Sega White side, uh, I don't know who the other one is, though. If you watch the tape, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you could have told any NFL scout, take DK, take AJ, slam dunk, going to be good players. Do you think there's a portion of NFL scouts that just want to think that they're smarter than college football people? Because yes. I, I think that's a lot of it. Yes. I would say that that's probably the majority of it. They don't want to believe that the college game and the NFL game, the professional game, are pretty much one and the same at this point. All feature the same kind of concepts in college. It used to be that the NFL was a distinctly different game than college. And that was true because a quarterback that came from a spread system, an RPO system, RPOs didn't exist, but a read option system. They couldn't play in the NFL because the NFL was built around a bunch of statues at quarterback like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. But now you look at the Patriots – Bounced out of the first round of the playoffs on wild card weekend. Now, they had a dynasty for two decades, but the game has yeah. changed. You don't think Bill Belichick is looking at how the game has changed in the NFL and saying to himself, yeah, I was right about wanting to keep Jimmy Garoppolo and get rid of Tom Brady. Yeah, he was. He was right. 
Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. No one can debate it. The results, they stand on their own. But Bill Belichick knew this was coming. He saw a shift in the NFL. And Jimmy Garoppolo would have been his quarterback, was going to be his quarterback. But Robert Kraft traded into the 49ers and said Tom Brady deserves the opportunity to go out on his own terms. So the NFL and college, they're pretty much the same. So if an A.J. Brown or Deshaun Watson or D.K. Metcalf are producing at the highest level in college, my God, just draft them. (laughs) That was always my favorite thing with Watson is they – uh, Trubisky plays at North Carolina and Watson plays at Clemson. So they're playing the exact same competition. You right? get to see them on film against the exact same team. And one of them is Deshaun Watson and one of them is Mitch Trubisky. I like, don't I know what the Patrick knock was on Deshaun Watson. What was the true knock on him? That was what I wondered. I understood the Patrick Mahomes thing. Like everybody brings up Pat Mahomes. There were like legitimate questions about Mahomes out of college. I understood that one. The Watson one drove me insane. He performed at the highest level against the best competition, won a national championship against the best competition. A.J. Brown, in his final year at Ole Miss, didn't have DK, was basically by himself. He did have Demarcus Lodge, but Lodge got hurt too. So effectively, A.J. was a one-man show at wide receiver at the end of the year, and he still produced. He actually broke almost every single wide receiver record in Ole Miss history, and yet he falls to the middle of the second round. And for what, I don't know. I wonder, too, if former players from a prospective school like Ole Miss with Laquan, if that's held against an A.J. Brown. Well, Laquan and A.J., they look kind of similar. Laquan did this. A.J. reminds me of that. Their numbers are comparable. But Laquan didn't even have the numbers of A.J. in college. A.J. was putting up video game numbers. I think that's a fair question, whether that gets held against guys like, you know, with the way Treadwell struggled. But Treadwell's struggles were such a finite and singular case that I don't really know if that's fair. I mean, you look at Evan Ingram. I mean, he doesn't seem to be struggling when he's healthy. So, uh, And AJ's 40 was good. Yeah. It It wasn't wasn't AK, but it was good. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was really cool to see, though. I'm glad that DK got that moment. And I was glad to see AJ go to the Patriots. He always wanted to play for the Patriots. Big Patriots fan. He's a bandwagon fan, but he's still a Patriots (laughs) fan. And he wanted to get drafted by the Patriots, and they passed on him to draft Nikhil Harry at 32nd overall. And there was a story written, I read it, a Patriots beat writer effectively asking the question, did the Patriots screw up drafting Harry over Brown? Well, I can answer that for you pretty easily. Yeah! (laughs) Imagine AJ and Julian Edelman in the slots. That was the thing that got New England, not to get too far into the NFL, but that was what New England got beat with yesterday is they didn't have any weapons. Um, They didn't have dudes that can win one-on-ones. You put A.J. Brown on the Patriots yesterday, and I think the Patriots maybe win that football game. Yeah. Now, obviously, the Titans beat the Patriots without A.J., but that's because Derrick Henry, all they had to do was give him the ball over and over and over, and he succeeded. So it's really cool. It was a great weekend if you're an Ole Miss fan to watch former players have their moments those players that deserved those moments. I think there was some concern after the draft, not for DK because you knew the Seahawks would be in it, but that AJ wouldn't get that experience because the Titans haven't had that kind of success in a long time. But then they make the move from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill actually has a really strong season, actually statistically has a season in which now the Titans are having to consider whether or not to franchise tag him. They're either going to have to do that or actually give him a contract. Were you most surprised by the success of AJ in Tennessee, DK in Seattle, or Dawson Knox in Buffalo? It's an easy answer. I'll let you go first. Dawson. Yeah, okay, good. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I feel stupid (laughs) even asking the question 
But Dawson, only by college statistics alone, I get why he falls. Even though it had nothing to do with him, it had everything to do with Longo. I remember rolling my eyes almost into the back of my head when Matt Luke and Phil Longo were all touting the potential of Dawson Knox, how good he was going to be and be a seamless transition from Evan Ingram. No one believed that. They were right. So if we're going to criticize them, at least acknowledge that they did hit on that evaluation. They didn't utilize him correctly, but at least they hit on the evaluation. <laughs> Their guy scoring no touchdowns in college might be the most damning stat of the whole thing. <laughs> I got to stop talking about this. It's just hard. (laughs) The last six years have been so miserable as the NCAA stuff, having to cover whether or not a player is going to transfer and this, that, and the other. Those guys made it tolerable. Beat writers are like fans from this perspective. It doesn't matter who you are. Me, Chuck, David, Neil, Chase, Nick, Nate. doesn't matter who it is. We want to cover fun stories. No one wants to cover an NCAA investigation. No one wants to cover whether or not a player is transferring, like a Shea Patterson. No one wants to do that. We'd rather cover an A.J. Brown and his historic season. But no one cared about A.J. Brown's historic season. They cared because they loved A.J., but you get what I'm saying from a 35,000 feet perspective. They didn't care because Ole Miss was so bad. And Ole Miss fans had really lost their passion for Ole Miss football. With Lane Kiffin as coach and with distance, you can not only appreciate A.J. and what he accomplished, but you can also enjoy Ole Miss football again to where we can look back and laugh at the failures of Matt Luke and Phil Longo because they're no longer here, but also appreciate A.J. Brown and be encouraged by the future of Ole Miss football because now you have a complete reset, which is what they wanted from the get-go to begin with. Yeah, from a beat writer's perspective, this is going to be the first normal season since what, like 2015? Yeah. Because in 2016, you were dealing with NCAA stuff, like when is it going to hit or whatever. Uh, Yeah, this is going to be the first normal season in five years. How long does that normalcy last? That's the question. How many games is Lane Kiffin win? When does Ohio State start calling? That's when the normalcy stops, I guess. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Going now to Kentrell Lockett for the 40-yard dash. Before we jump to him, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS, or go to www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference, make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, 
Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at SolaOxfordMS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. We're going three, one, two, three. Let's go. The 40-yard dash with former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett. There he is. It's the big guy. Brought to you by Impact by Ironwood. It's the 40-yard dash brought to you by Impact by Ironwood. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Back for the first time since October, it's Kentrell Lockett, former Ole Miss defensive end. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? I feel good, but you made me sound bad say back since October. Like, I've been missing in action and stuff. A lot of stuff happened since October, but I'm here, baby. I've been watching. Well, it's not your fault. You had a baby. Another one. Congratulations. Yeah, I did. I need to stop, man. But I don't want to um, think I'm done. Got a, got a little number three. Well, Kentrell the third about time. Because when I found out when, we, when I had both, my second child, that my dad was wondering why I didn't name him. Kentrell, so we have another Kentrell. I just didn't want to curse them like they cursed me, man. That's why I went by 40 until I started embracing Kentrell, but I like it now since there's another in the house with me. Your wife is a piggies. You're a former Division One football player. Now you have two lottery tickets in your home. They're the first rounders for you. They're going to be the ones that pay your mortgage. Definitely not. So if y'all don't know, if y'all ever seen a picture or photo of both, he's massive, right? He's one, He's 16 months old. He wear 14 clothes. Um, he doesn't like regular, like, little chips and snacks and none of that. His favorite meal is Salisbury steak with gravy, mashed potatoes with gravy, with pinto beans, and he needs that cornbread. That cornbread, that cornbread roll, he needs that. That's his, that's his meal. That's, what, that's his go-to. He can eat a four for four. He, he eats he's a happy meal that does, that does no justice. He eats. That's why I call him Debo. Or that's what they call him at the at, at school at daycare because he takes everyone food. So if you see him, you know he was bred to do something. Now I say that to say Bo was a nine pound baby. Oh, nine pound twenty one ounces. But Kentrell Trey, he was nine pound three ounces and he was twenty one inches long too. So we got another one in the mix. And I think we got. Let's see. I don't know. It's like night and day. One gonna be big. One gonna be small. One gonna be long and lean, and one gonna be one gonna be my my build, and one gonna take on the piggy's build. So just just see, we might have a baby J and a parade. That's what I was about Which to say. You took the words out of my mouth. You're gonna have a baby J and a parade, an offensive lineman and a defensive nose guard. Let me tell you something. Now I wanted to coach. I got about a good five six years left in me to coach. Because if not, these two young men I'm raising. When they come out playing sports, you'll be like, who kids is that? I'll be like, me. Well, who coaching them? Who training them? Me. Why you ain't coaching nobody? Why you? Because I tried. And y'all, <laughs> now look look what I didn't put out on this earth. Look what I look what I produced. Look what we cultivated here, man. It's going to be something crazy. I already see Bo getting his three-point stands for your nine. He laugh at you. Ha, 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 ha. I say, yeah, boy. You like to play in them trenches. I already see it in your eyes. You like to play. When do you start teaching them pass rush moves? Well, it's, it's we kind of do it now. It's it's anything as so much as a pass rush move. It could be a dance step or anything that could translate to a swim move, or could trans, translate into a, a a club 
uh, long arm, uh, one arm longer than two, or a spin move, you know? You put your right hand in, you put your left hand out, you put your right hand in, and you shake it all about. That's a pass rush move all itself. You do the hokey poke and you turn yourself around. That's a spin move. That's a change up. That's, that's, you didn't overset. You didn't went back inside. So he know it already. Just got to translate it into football terms. All he needs to know, and all, all I got to see and pick up on is if he'd rather catch the ball or if he'd rather go after the ball. You can see those things in forcing to be an offensive player compared to a defensive player. I'm going to realize it because I'm waiting on them cues. And then the next one is just going to follow. I'm looking for Trey to walk quicker because he's trying to keep up with both. So it's like intentional parenting going on here. I know what I'm trying to do, and when I reach that goal, it's on to the next. Well, since the last time I talked to you, a lot has happened with Ole Miss football. The biggest story, obviously, Matt Luke was fired, replaced by Lane Kiffin. I want to know your thoughts. What do you think about Lane being hired by Ole Miss? Um, okay, I think it was a good move. Some people may think it was bad, but I think it was time that Ole Miss needed a name again. And once we're on the recruiting trail, there's someone that that not necessarily going to be beaten. I'm not saying Matt Coach Matt wasn't wasn't that guy that could do the recruiting, but imagine Lane Kiffin going in there with his track record being with Nick Saban, being with everyone, being with everything he did, his daddy, his family, his lineage, his legacy, and everything that's been done. The Tampa 2 defense, all of that follows him, you know. And then the second uh, two, three days in the in the actually starting his the new era at Ole Miss, he's in Starkville, you know, just 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 embracing the rivalry and everything that it is. So I think that's a smart move, man. I mean, how worse could it get? I mean it really can't get any 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 worse. You know, we were at the bottom, time to come to the top. And then the staff he building around him. I'm just curious to see. We know they're going to put points up on the board, because that's what he does, man. I'm curious to see what the talent he's going to inherit and the talent he's going to bring there, um, where we're going to go from there. The only staff holdover left is Freddie Roach, and I don't know if there's any guarantee that he'll be here next year either. Charles Clark and Tyrone Nix were both let go after meeting with Chris Partridge and DJ Dirk, and now the co-defensive coordinators in place of Mike McIntyre at the end of last week. So the whole staff is new. The entire outlook of Ole Miss football is new. But if I had told you five years ago, Lane Kiffin was going to be the head coach of Ole Miss and Ed Orgeron was going to be leading LSU to a national title, which one would have been less believable to you? It would definitely be Lane Kiffin. Now, I'm not going to say that five years ago, I would have believed that Coach O would have been leading someone to the national championship. But five years ago, I, I know, well, I kind of felt Coach O would have been doing something special. As it come from Lane Kiffin, I kind of thought that Kiffin train wasn't going to come to Ole Miss at all because it kind of was dad first with Coach Ed Ogeron. Then uh, the younger son came there, and he was coaching D-line, GA, and all of those things. I know him, too, as well. And then there was some kind of talk with Lane Kiffin, like around Coach Hugh Freeze and all of that time. And, you know, if it didn't happen, then I was like, oh, it ain't, it's not going to happen. I was thinking as a Coach Freeze, as a Coach Lane Kiffin, who would you rather get in my head? But now he's here. I would have never thought it, but I, I really wasn't thinking no other coach. You know, who else could – who would be the next guy that could come to Ole Miss? All the other names that were brought about and were in that actual pool, this was the only name that 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 I think would stick because it had to be a name. It's just like when Mississippi State is going through, they're looking for a name, and then at the same time people are turning them down. It's it's like a program not only does it need a good coach, they need a coach that that name holds weight to get some players and all of that too. So I think that alone is gonna 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 help us, man. I think my biggest takeaway from the Lane Kiffin hire is that it's the most non-Ole Miss hire ever. When they backed away from Ed Orgeron and fired him, they went for Houston Nutt, and that was a safe hire. Hugh Freeze was a safe hire. 
Lane Kiffin was complete departure from what we're used to seeing in Ole Miss coaching searches. And I think that, for most Ole Miss fans out there, is refreshing because whether or not it works, Keith Carter has taken a shot and Ole Miss fans will tell him to go take another shot. That's what they wanted. They want a program that's bold and is willing to take chances. You're right. It, it was a ballsy move. And, and if it worked out, it was the smartest decision he ever made. And if it didn't, it'll just be like, oh, they strike one. You know, but at the same time, who's to say something something else may not come out of it? Who what knows what's to come out of it? Maybe next year we're talking to man and we we might be in the playoffs. Now that now that would be a huge and tremendous jump. But I'm just saying, who's to, who's to say what happened? That's just how how who's to, who would have thought Tom Brady was gonna lose? Who would have thought Drew Brees was gonna lose to the Vikings again? You know, so you never know how the world works, man. It's crazy. And, and so so with Lane Kiffin coming to Ole Miss, you know, is I'm still looking forward to see like like game days on Saturdays. You know, it, it sounds like a broken record. We said that a few years ago with Coach Matt Luke. Everyone just looking for something different, something for 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 change. Now this change is completely different change, like you said. They normally hire from within. Now this was like like a reach. But if this reach worked, it'll be like hitting a power ball, man. It it could be here for a while. Cause you know, he he left a place that he had something going on already, that he was competing, you know, and it was uh um Winning, having winning seasons, playing for the championship and all of those things, and he left there to come here. So he's he's trying to prove something as well. I like it. I like the decision. I like the approach. It makes too much sense. And I think another thing that Ole Miss fans like about this is when you moved on from Hugh Freeze and then you hired Matt Luke on a full-time basis, you still had a bunch of leftovers on the staff from Hugh Freeze's staff. If you're Matt right. Luke, the ownership that you thought you had – really wasn't there, at least from a fan perspective. They didn't see that ownership because your staff stayed the same. So I think Lane Kiffin coming in and all but one coach not being here anymore has allowed for the fans to finally get that program reset they so desperately wanted after the NCAA stuff was over. Let someone come in with a fresh voice, a fresh perspective, and give it a go. This is a complete departure as far as the attitude and temperament of Matt Luke compared to Lane Kiffin, but it's more than that. It's about... Ole Miss is an athletics program led by Keith Carter deciding that the way Ole Miss has always done things, it's time to try something else. It's time to at least take a shot. Be bold. Ole Miss has always played it safe. That's all you've ever heard. It's okay to be the bad guy. That's what I've said. Do you like that idea? Be the bad guy? Embrace it? I do. I'll tell you why. We always try to be the good guy, take care of everyone. And we always been the school or the team or the whatever leadership that will provide what people what people uh, uh, want instead of instead of what well, what they need instead of what they really want. You know, they'll ask a question, but then we'll give them way more than what they need, or go out, or go out, or go above and beyond just to try to you know cater to the masses and really which it shouldn't be. You know, it's, everything should be internally. Everything should be uh, take care of of home first. And then everything else, you're going to get the scraps. So I'll tell you a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I remember when we were at school and playing, everything was held together. And if you really wanted to know something, you had to come personally ask a player or you wouldn't ask a coach. You know, so with the new AD going out, it's, 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 and at the same time, I say this, you know, a coach of a program have to be visually appealing, you know, to some players, to, to coaches, and just to just TV a little bit of everything because you can't tell me the head coach and the leadership, the way he looks and the way he presents himself uh, uh, just doesn't cause game day to come in town or just doesn't cause another player or just doesn't cause another endorsement, sponsorship, whatever it may be. All of that comes into 
comes into play when you when you think about it. And I think they hit they hit it on the head when it comes back. And then you look at the little things, man. The visor is back in Oxford. The last time the visor was there, there was some good things that went on. You know, there was the hat, and then there was the visor, and then it was all kind. Of, it kind of went out of the window, and you had the raincoat. That's what I call it. Well, a sweat jacket that Matt Luke used to wear all the time. I think he used to cover how nervous he was under there. Because if he took the shirt off, it would be a, a, smile, a sweaty, smiley face. So now the visor is back. So there's some things that potentially happen, man. When you wear that visor, something's different. You think about the coaches that wear the visor, and they're different thinkers, man, different breeds. So I'm just curious to see what comes from under there. Matt Luke had the doors open to former players. You had a good relationship with that staff. They invited you back a number of times, including for the Chucky Mullins Award reception. Yeah. Lane Kiffin, if you had to give him some advice about how to deal with former players – I don't know how he's going to deal with media. We've heard some things. I don't know how he's going to deal with anybody. But from an Ole Miss perspective and dealing with former players, in an overall program standpoint, doing it the way Nick Saban does it, or at USC under Pete Carroll and Clay Helton, whoever it might be, how should you deal with former players if you're Lane Kiffin? See, I, see it's kind of crazy, you know, it, and that's, that's when I look at other people that's within the organization or within the program, but then it may all be different. Like the only people that may be there from when a guy like I played you know, maybe Lorandis or Ken Crane. Everybody else may be gone. You might have your Kyle Campbells, but who's to say they're going to vouch for you compared to, like, uh, Lane may know me. I, he Just from what? I may not. I, I, I don't know. And any other, other other coaches, some former players may know them. But when it comes to the approach, I just think that of, of inviting us to games and thing like, things of those nature. You know, the alumni, the, the, the M Club, that's why that should be important. You know, the the the... The coaches may have changed, but the what we respect of you've done and the, and the organization, everything that you're a part of, that hasn't changed. So we should all just get together and just embrace each other, meet each other, you know, rub elbows a few times. Coach, I'm not trying to give you no suggestions. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just trying to tell you we here. We here. To, we just here to uh, embrace what you got going on. We used to play here. We was a part of the good and the bad and the ugly, and we here to 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 just to back you and to get it turned around. But at the same time, you got to show. We got to show face. You can't just show up and be like, "Oh, I'm a former player," and you'd be like, "Who are you?" You know. So there should be a time. That's that's where the spring games are important. Like the Chucky Mullen bankers and stuff are important. They may not know former players and all the people are called. So that's where uh, other things could be important. You know. So, but at the same time, when you look at you look at look at Alabama, that's different. You know, Alabama, the caliber of people coming out of there, they're gonna know who's gonna come back to the game. They're gonna let them see, uh, a select few. And when it comes to Ole Miss, they're kind of like they weren't at first, then they were. Now it's a whole start all over, reset button. So that's something in itself alone. I didn't even think about that, but it was something I was worrying about. It's a question that I didn't really, you know, was was going to force the issue to ask anyone. I just was kind of going to fall into it to see what happened, you know, see if that's going to be a positive reaction, a negative reaction, or what was going to actually be the comment, commentary when it comes to it. The reason I bring it up, is because Matt Luke did a good job of welcoming former players back. But what he didn't do a good job necessarily of was utilizing former players in the coaching ranks. You got Shea Hodge out there, Wayne Dorsey out there. There are a number of different former players that have direct access to potential prospects that you would want to bring in. For example, Ole Miss is now recruiting a four-star defensive end that's playing under Wayne Dorsey that's the cousin of Jadavion Clowney. And Ole We've Miss, talked about that a few times, and which is crazy. Which is mm-hmm. Let me tell you what you're so crazy. Um, Wayne Dorsey didn't play with Ed Orgeron, but him and Ed Orgeron got a relationship just because of that player, which to me is is outrageous. 
it is outrageous. It's ludicrous. It's like why he has a relationship with Coach Ed Ogeron, but nobody from a pro, uh, Ole Miss never even approached this guy. And Wayne is trying to get people to talk to him. And you're right, that was an issue. And Derek Burgess brought it up in that meeting we had with Matt Luke that day, when, the spring game when Matt Luke and his brother was talking about embracing everybody. And Derek Burgess then said, he was like, you know, we I, I understand you're trying to do something new and hire uh, a p- different people around to come together and then make this this powerhouse of coaches. But he was like, look around you. You have me. You have players like 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 Todd Wade. You got Archie. You got Eli. Just the talent pool that's in here. Cassius was in there. Shea Hodge was in there. You had uh, Romero Miller was in there. Mike Espy. Just the names of people, just the collective group. Uh, uh, Gilbert Pina. Gilbert Pina was coaching at the same place where he, the junior college where he came from. So it, uh, it is endless. You're right. It is that that was a question that was that was that was brought up in there. It was kind of it was addressed, but it was there was no answer to it. it. It was almost like you know, there's a lot of things to go through when you find a player, and like, well, there shouldn't be a lot of things to go through if you have a former player that's kind of instructing that player who you have interest in. So it's like everyone else take advantage of their opportunities. You can't tell me Alabama don't call somebody and be like, oh, you know him, or call or LSU don't call somebody. I know they do. For example, you look at how many players from Destrehan alone just they went to LSU. You got the Jefferson brothers, of course, and then you got everybody from that school that's able to go. You know, the whole River Parish, they speak for themselves. If, if, so why can't we do it or why won't it be utilized? Because it makes no sense how a guy from Oxford High School will go to Alabama or a guy from Lafayette or go to Arkansas or a guy from South Panola or go to Mississippi State or the LSU. That, you know, it's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. I agree with you, and I bring up Wayne as a good example because I know Wayne was out there talking to you and a number of different people trying to get Ole Miss to contact him. He coaches at one of the major high schools in the Northeast. This is a program that's a national power, and you have all these top-ranked prospects, and yet no one from Ole Miss had approached a former player that coaches these guys directly, including Clowney. And yet when Lane Kiffin was hired, and I don't know if it has anything to do necessarily with Wayne being a former Ole Miss player, if Lane Kiffin even knows that, but – when he was hired. But Matt Luke knew it. Yeah. Matt Luke knew it. Freddie Roach knew it because we discussed it. We talked about it. So, you know. Yeah, that was but when no he was hired, they reached out to Wayne about Clowney. And then at that point, Tyrone Nix, who did coach Wayne, was yeah. contacting Wayne saying, effectively, hey, do you think the kid will sign with us on signing day? And that has been months of almost not recruiting the kid. And now you expect him to sign on signing day for what? To try to preserve your job or something? So utilizing that network is important. And if you're Lane Kiffin, I think he'll do that. Ed Ordron did that at Ole Miss. He's done that at LSU. He's keeping the lines of communications open to former players because that stuff does matter. It does. You know, it's it's to the point where, you know, Wayne and them have dominated the East Coast, and they're trying to play coming to South. We've talked on the phone to uh, – they they trying to come down and play uh, the ranks of, like – Old Perry Walker, Hornville, Destrehan, East St. John, all the schools in Louisiana that's 5A, 6A state championships. And and just that alone, you know, if you're just in contact with the guy and you may have somebody recruiting in Louisiana and you show up to that game, think about the talent pool that you that the possibility of that you're gonna be there just viewing. You know, that's gems that may be found right there, but you don't know. You have two people that's in pivotal positions with, with players and prospects that that in a few years from now they're gonna be talked about and be like, oh, this guy was such and such. No, we we knew it. We said it. We we been said it a long time ago. They got a guy right now that I go to church 
go to church with. Ole Miss offered him at uh, at it was Junior Day, and I told him, I'm like, man, I go to church with. Him. His name is Carbit Mims. He's like six four, two twenty, two thirty, something like that. He ended up signing with Arkansas State. He was like, man, they're the only one who talked to me. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, I talked to Coach Freddie um, at the camp, and that was the last time. I was like, you said they offer you? He was like, yeah, they offer me. And how you offer someone, and that was the last time you speak, you spoke with them all, pulled the offer, whatever it may be. It's just, it just was crazy to me. And I told them uh, that I, I knew the guy, you know. So whatever, whatever, whatever it was, you know, water under the bridge, you know, it's certain ways to go about things, you know, it's it's like maybe they don't think the way we think. But I don't see how if you're trying to get a step ahead or just, you know, a foot in the door, well, I got to knock the door down if I got the key to it. Makes no sense. Just working harder. We'll jump right back to former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett for the 40-yard dash after this brief word from Modern Woodman. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron are similar in their recruiting approaches. They come from that USC coaching tree under Pete Carroll. They have a whole system to recruiting. He's brought in all his own recruiting guys, cleaned out the Ole Miss recruiting office, say for Brennan Chapman. You've been in the living room with an Ed Orgeron who was recruiting you to sign with Ole Miss. What is that approach like? How do they treat you recruiting-wise? What do they do to try to get you to sign? The first time I ever met – before I even met Coach O, I knew Coach O. I talked on the phone with Coach O so much – well, well, every time the phone rang and it was Coach Ed Ogeron, I, I talked to the staff. You know, I would talk to Coach O. I would talk to Coach Freeze. I would talk to Coach Maurice. I would talk to Barney. I, everybody, Coach Frank, Coach Coach Rip, Coach, uh, everybody that was in there, you spoke to them on the phone. And Coach Frank, Coach Frank Wilson, he wherever you were, he'll it was barbershops. He'll, we'll be, I'll be somewhere eating. He'll pull up just to meet my moms. It was so many different places. So it was like, it, 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 they made you feel at home. It wasn't a, um, it wasn't a, man, this is a scout and you got to be all uptight. Watch what you say. I felt at home. And then when I finally met Coach O, you know, it was like we always knew each other. It was like writing to a pen pal, man, for years. And then you finally just put a face with a name and could actually hear a voice. But I knew the voice because I heard it so many times. It was like I seen him before, but let me see what he really looked like when he came came to my house. Let me tell you what was crazy. Coach Ogeron and Coach Frank Wilson came to my house on a Tuesday, and it was and Coach Houston Nutt and Coach Clifton Ealy came to my house the next day. I remember it like it was like it was like it was uh yesterday. My mama fixed like some smothered smothered she was smothered steaks or something for Coach Ed Ogeron and them. And when Arkansas came. She had made some roast because she said we roasting hog tonight. For some reason, she felt a certain way about Coach Ed Ogeron. Coach Clifton nearly had a wisdom to just pull 
And he was sitting there talking to my mama and whistling the whole night, just whistling, 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 and spit coming out the side of his mouth. Like, that's it, duh. And my, right then, so he kind of, it was kind of like just the mood and the emotion. My mom was like, I don't know if we're going to go to Arkansas. They coach just whistling and spitting all over the table. <laughs> and then it was, and Coach Chivas. And then so it was two of the most wettest mouth in the SEC, SEC football at the time. Coach Chivas got gum that sit at the bottom of his mouth. He'd be talking, he'd be spitting spearmint on you. And Coach Coach uh, Ely had just got his wisdom tool pulled and up in there trying to eat some roast. So it was the whole approach that was kind of weird. But at the same time, two, maybe three years later, they all came back full circle, which was weird. It was just, I felt comfortable with a man. Um, Coach Frank being from New Orleans, he knew the lingo. Um, he knew he he knew my way of life, where I came from, you know, what I was about. And then, so Coach Frank was on the Joneses of what we were going through, high school coach and all of that. And a younger guy, and then coach, you look at Coach O. Coach O was the real occasion of what my family was about, the environment. The nature, everything that we would do, walk barefoot, go fishing, go crawfish, and go shrimp and fish and all of that. So I just felt at home. I'm like, man, I know I could get some gumbo in Mississippi. Look who I'll coach. So I I, I went. I, I brought it to everything he said. And then to come to Ole Miss next year and run the Tampa 2 defense and get beat like a drum every game. So how's your uncle doing with LSU in the national championship game? Are you hearing it a lot right now? I, I, I am, but I'm not. You know, cause, cause, which is crazy. The same team that he didn't want me to go to that recruited me is his coach now. So it's kind of silenced him in a sense. He was like, he couldn't do that old Miss. But he was like, Houston Nutt did it with y'all. And then he was like, now he had old, uh, now he had LSU and he do it up. He's like, man, that's a hell of a coach. I'm like, yeah, I told you that. You just didn't want me to go to LSU. <laughs> so it kind of silenced him in a sense, man. So, which I, I still appreciate it. You know, well, well I can say I can still kind of, you know, um, I'm harp on it, so to say, because I'm like, man, so is it your coach or is it your players? I know his players got something to do with it, but I'm like, you know, your coach is head and I'm his man in them now. Well, one of the last things, Ole Miss is in its strength and conditioning program. It's the first year under Wilson Love. You've had to deal with that, too, to where you're used to doing one thing in the offseason of a particular guy and another guy comes in. And strength coaches, they're unique unto themselves. They got their own program that they want you to follow. What's the challenge in that? If you're a player, there's a challenge in a player just from maybe times all of that different, just the approach of the workouts, the stretching. You know, you you may bench more with this guy. You may bench less and squat more. You know, you may clean more and 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 squat less. It just depended on the whole approach. But at the same time, that's a challenge for the strength coach. You know, the past few years, Coach Jackson, he know these players. He know how to make them stronger. He know where they're gonna excel. He know the weakness. He know maybe uh maybe the 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 descent on the squat is weak for somebody. So that's what he have to work on. And he knows the pull on the clean may be the weakness for somebody else or getting over that hump on the bench, you know. So it's some things that he knew already from just from just uh, uh, just having a rapport with the guys and being in there. But you look at this strength coach, you know, he have a, he has been a program that's proven. He was at Alabama and not necessarily knowing what the pro, how his strength conditioning program was at FAU. But at the same time, you know, lifting weights is lifting weights. There's one there's a. There's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it, but everyone has their own style, just like you said. You know, so but then at the same time, what's good for the players, they're coming back after the break. So everybody's gonna be sore. Not too many people gonna gonna have a one up than the next person, so to say. Some people may have been working out on the off days, but the last time anyone put on pads or probably did anything physical was Thanksgiving. You know, so it's gonna be January by end of January by the time anybody work out. So it's going to be a clean slate for everyone. So come springtime, 
come springtime, you we have a mental picture, so to say, of what players' body looked like, what they ran, how they would attack uh, a point of ball and all of that. When Coach Don Decker and his staff from Arkansas came under there, they understood that, you know, how I actually would work out. I would work out with Coach Soley. You know, I would do a lot of upper body things, but I wouldn't do so much squat, but I would do a lot of lower body workouts. I would do a lot of box jumps, a lot of dumbbell squats, a lot of chain pulls. A lot of sandbag uh, pushes, do a, do the prowler, do a lot of different things to strengthen my leg compared to high impact stuff, stuff that would be strength on my joints. You know, I kind of had to patch human knees or I had to, you know, protect them. They were fragile, you know, but at the, but, well, so they say. But, you know, it was just just a different approach with everybody. Everybody body don't really don't, don't, it's not receptive of everything, you know. So, so um, that may be a challenge, but then again, it may not be if they have faced it before. Isn't the onus really on the players to police themselves and get their work in in the weight room on the day-to-day? It is. You know, you have to show up and not showing up is, is have the battle. You have to show up and be in tune and be ready to work. But then at the same time, a screen coach, you see that guy is, is so to say, half-assing and, and you ask for 10 reps and he's giving six. That's why you step in. And if you don't step in, they're going to do that, you know, for the tenure that you're there. So uh, um, it is your responsibility to want to get in there to get bigger, faster, and stronger. But the whole purpose of the strength coach to be there is for you to get bigger, uh, faster, and stronger. He has numbers that he set that that he wanted at goals that that he has set for the team to reach as well. You know, they're going to have a max out and all of that, and you're going to see where everyone numbers at. You're going to start from there, and by the end of this this nine-week training program, going to see where your numbers at then. And then that's when he can see where to go from there, see who are the top guys in, in each category, 40s, broad jump, vertical jump squat, bitch, clean, all it may be, you know, and then he may say something. We need a 300 club. We need a 4-2 a club. We need a 350 bench and all of those things. And if you make it fun, you know, a competition, get the T-shirt, put your name on the board. I know we used to have, I like the Iron Man Challenge, and you hit certain numbers so you can get on the poster with your shirt off. I thought that was the coolest shit ever. But then compared being on the picture with your shirt off with, with uh, P. Willie and people like that, P. Willie, Gary Pack, Roy Johnson don't make you feel good. So, but still, I was on the picture, you know. So, so just little things like that, the things that guys may have to look forward to. Because I hate it. I promise you, a 5 a.m. workout, man. If you want to get the worst workout out of me, put it at 5 a.m. Because I know I'm a, I'm a wake up. If I can go to sleep at 12, I'm gonna wake up at one. Wake up at two. Wake up at 2:45. I'm gonna wake up at three. I'm gonna wake up at four. I'm gonna wake up at 4:15. Then I gotta leave. All night, I'm just the fear of missing it. And missing it, you just might as well quit. Cause you gotta run the stadium, and that's that's torture. You just might as well walk home, walk walk back to Louisiana. When will the players settle in with the new staff? When will the newness of all of this wear off? How hard was that when y'all made the coaching transition? Man, when Coach Nutt first came in, we were so happy for change. It, it kind of took off when he first got there because he started the, he started the right way. You know, it was kind of a dark cloud around the locker room and all it was because because because. Football was business, and you're supposed to handle it like a card in it. But at the same time, there was no fun in it. So instantly when Coach Nutt came there, he brought some fun with it. So we just com- completely embraced him. And, you know, and the coaches were more personable. But I think that started from the top. You know, I think with Coach Ed, when they saw how Coach Ed Ogeron was, I think all the other coaches that was underneath him think they had to be that way as well. And then when you came with Coach Nutt, he was a cheerful, playful guy. But at the same time, he was serious, and that's how his staff was, you know, and which was crazy. He had some of the people from the from the former staff that came back was a forward that still was there. And I'm like, damn, man. So it was really just it was really just the head that was just it was just kind of trickling down downhill from there. So, you know, it may take some time 
for for coaches to learn players, for players to learn coaches. But when the X's and O's is what brings us together, you know, you can have so many film sessions and so many team meetings and office meetings, defensive meetings. But until you get on the field and you actually get put in those situations and the coaches correct you or the coaches line you up or you have feedback for the coaches, that's when you really start to mess. That's when you really believe in what he says or, or, or say it when you do it and it actually you put it to work on the field and it works. Or you just feel a little bit better that he told you to do one thing and you got that extra separation on that fade route. Or it was a stunt you were supposed to get inside and a few times you kept going in, it was muddy, it was muddy, it was cloudy, you couldn't find work. Next time you went, he told you just to shade a little bit in, just an inch or hair inside or just switch your, switch your stands, go from right-hand stands to left-hand stands, it's going to make that step quicker. I know I remember that personally from Monty Kiffin when we was running Frisco G Pirates and China Check and Tokyo. It, it was a it, you had to do a pirate step. And that pirate step was a long. It was a step inside or a step outside to cut off or, or, or cut off a reach block or just to get in the inside gap. And he was like, "What you gotta hide it for? If I'm going inside, why I got my why you got your outside hand down?" He was like, "The quickest way, the quickest way to the quarterback is the shortest way." He was like, "Play smart." And I'm like, you're right. You know, just just some little things. And and he made me a firm believer of that. So even when I was playing under the next coach, like Coach Tracy Rocker, and he was like, why you got your outside hand now? I'm like, I got to go inside, don't it? And the quickest way I can get there is with the inside. He was like, you're right, black dude, you got to do. You know, so it was just respected. So, you know, certain things that 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 little little trinkets that get your head in the game, the little nuances, the little, a little foot forward, is anything that can help him win. The coaches give you those little gems. It's like, oh, man, I trust you now to give you the extra, my special tool I got in my toolbox because I trust that you're going to use it and I trust that you believe what I say. And that's when you start building the team. How much of trust you think players had in Coach Luke or players had in their position coaches, you know, just compared to last season, compared to Coach Freeze or Coach Nut? So it's a whole new slate. It's up to the coach to build that trust or to break that trust or to never gain that trust at all. Well, it's good to hear from you. It's been a couple of months. It's been too long. Next time you come back on, let's make sure it's like, what, a couple of weeks from now? The 40-yard dash has to be more regular 40. Yeah, the 40-yard dash needs some more 40. Yeah. It needs to be more regular. But, yeah, we're going we're gonna to work on that. We're going to try and see what we can do. Thank you, you know. my friend. I appreciate you. We'll talk again. No problem, man. Always love, you know, got to say RIP Phyllis. That was former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at SpiritBit on Twitter. And the guest co-host chair is Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and Chinese pharmacy. A new year always brings about change. For you or someone close to you, that change could be finally finding a dream home. Enter the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern, open-concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at thelamarms.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year has arrived. 2020 is here, and it's time to assess whether you're using the pharmacy that best fits your needs. For you, the Ole Miss fan, the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. 
Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I didn't want to bring it up, but someone actually asked me about it on my board. The Mississippi State coaching change. I don't cover Mississippi State. I'm not Steve <laughs> Robertson. I don't care about Mississippi State. What do you think? We'll start there. It's funny. I can confirm you. You do not keep up with Mississippi State. I texted no. you like the night before he got fired. I was like, hey, they're about to fire him. You're like, what? That's pretty wild. I've not seen a coach get fired in January very often for on-the-field reasons. Uh, Major Applewhite got fired after his bowl game at Houston, but – other than that, man, this just kind of seems odd. And look, I've not really kept up with the search, and I don't know how much there is to keep up with because John Cohen said you need to hear it from him to believe it. So, I don't know. It just feels like an odd situation. It doesn't feel like they're going after the guys that, you know, Ole Miss kind of targeted or that were names for the Arkansas or Missouri job. So, I don't, I don't really know what they're doing over there. Okay, this is my thoughts on it. It can be summed up very simply. The Ole Miss beat has been accused of being a cultish beat. If the shoe was on the other foot, I want you to tell me how this would be covered. All right? <laughs> Ole Miss goes to back-to-back bowl games, beats Mississippi State back-to-back years. But in that process, there was academic fraud that resulted in a number of its players being suspended for particular games. Also, star linebacker punches out the starting quarterback. He can't participate in the bowl game. Ole Miss fires said coach after two years. How do you think that would be covered from the other side? There would be a book out right now by Steve Robertson. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. The coverage of it would be totally different. And you can just see the headlines being written. And Ole Miss has concerned itself way too much. I'm talking about administratively, not fans. Administratively with Mississippi State. I brought up the Mike Norvell story before. Have I ever told it in full length? I don't think so on here, no. Ah, screw it. Who cares? Mike Norvell's at Florida State now. This was told to me by Ross Bjork. He's gone. Ole Miss targeted Mike Norvell as its number one candidate after it fired Hugh Freeze. Went to its search process and eliminated him after Ole Miss discovered in background that Mike Norvell had had an inappropriate relationship with a girl at Arizona State. That girl ended up in the admissions office at Mississippi State. So Ole Miss, in what it felt was a proactive measure, eliminated him because it saw the potential for Mike Norvell should he be introduced as Ole Miss's next head coach in that introductory press conference at the same time as Steve Robertson would be breaking this out. Saying Ole Miss just fired Hugh Freeze and hired this guy. The smear campaign they thought would have been insane and they couldn't deal with it because they just come off an NCAA investigation. I don't know anything about Tennessee, Arkansas, the other schools. From Ole Miss's perspective, that's why they didn't hire him. You know what's funny is I don't think that decision would have gotten made in 2019. It would not have. Ole Miss was so vain as to think it had to be liked or at least respected by everyone. That's not true. Being nice, cooperating with the NCAA, trying to have a friendly relationship with national media types, none of that matters. Mississippi State had academic fraud and got to pick the games in which its players were suspended. (laughs) And what did they say during Ole Miss's NCAA investigation? When you looked at it, overall in totality, the two NOAs, A grand total of 16,500, maybe, in inducements. And when you brought that up and you talked about Laramie Tunsil sleeping on Chris Kiffin's couch, Austin Golson and the Hunting Land, Maurice Harris giving an illegal ride to the two prospects from Memphis, including Herbert Moore, 
Mississippi State fans would say to you, because they hate Ole Miss and they're obsessed with it, not all of them, but the Steve Robertsons of the world, they said, yeah, but academic fraud. (laughs) And they just went through it. And where was the coverage of it in comparison to how Mississippi State beat writers such as Steve Robertson covered Ole Miss's NCAA investigative case? And you will not see that from an Ole Miss beat writer. You won't see it from me or David or Chuck or even Yancey, for Christ's sake. You won't see it from Neil. You won't see it from Chase. You won't see it from Nate or Nick or Parrish. We don't cover Mississippi State. But if you put the shoe on the other foot, don't think for a second Steve Robertson wouldn't have covered it. But they didn't cover any of that academic stuff, right? You didn't see a book being written. And Steve would say, oh, I'm doing this to protect the integrity of Mississippi recruiting or some nonsense like that. It was complete BS. And It was funny. Uh, the linebacker, Willie Gay, allegedly. Uh, it didn't, no, it's not allegedly. <laughs> Bunch of Garrett Schrader. And Garrett Schrader sent out a picture with his black eye. It happened. Oh, no, it happened. Yeah. I'm just, and I'm you've got these careful. beat writers like Steve Robertson taking their cues from the athletics department and the sports information department, be it Billy Martin or John Cohen, they are on the side of their PR department. And part of that extension, as it was under Scott Strickland and Dan Mullen, a directive from them to a Steve Robertson was to smear Ole Miss as much as possible. If you do not think that Steve Robertson and Dan Mullen weren't working together, at least in some form or fashion, in order to attack Ole Miss, that was happening in Ole Miss's NCAA investigative case. Ben, how many times have you called Kyle Campbell to see if it was okay to report something? Never. Yeah. Not once. uh, Never talked to Michael Thompson about something. Never talked to Ross Bjork about something that I was about to report. Now, I got a lot of feedback back afterwards. (laughs) That's how it works. Ross Bjork was angry about a lot of stuff afterwards. And you know what you do? You deal with it. But that's not how it's supposed to work. I am not a public relations extension of Ole Miss. And none of this matters. None of it matters. It didn't matter when Ole Miss was going through it. But yet state fans and Steve Robertson and that entire cult, it mattered to them. And I asked the question that I've asked time and again. Now that you're making a coaching change, after Dan Mullen took you to number one overall and Ole Miss was number four overall, and football in Mississippi had never been in a better place than it was in 2014, was it worth it? It's got to be a resounding no, right? Look where you are now. Was it worth it? Why did it matter uh, so much to Mississippi State fans that Ole Miss go down? Why not just aspire to be better than Ole Miss? You cheat too. I don't like to call it cheating. I've said that countless times. It's not cheating. It's players getting what they deserve and what they're worth. So don't call it cheating. But players getting compensated on the black market that was created by an arcane system in the NCAA processes. And Ole Miss was doing a good job of it. Were they sloppy? Yeah, they were sloppy. <laughs> but Mississippi State paid Leo Lewis. They paid for Rod Green. They paid for a lot of players themselves. LSU pays players. Alabama pays players. Georgia pays players. You don't think Florida paid for Dewan Black? <laughs> yeah, and he's not even there. Every school pays. Michigan fans love to act like their school doesn't pay. <laughs> yes, they do. They absolutely do. You don't think Jim Harbaugh pays? I know he does, because I know what Sean Patterson got. So was it worth it? Why not have better operations than Ole Miss and go win? Why did you have to commit a murder-suicide? Why did Ole Miss's success eat at you so much (laughs) that rather than step up and get it done yourself and aspire to be more, you had to take them down and take yourself down too? Look where the programs are now. But Ole Miss has optimism. I think Mississippi State fans, when Ole Miss fans were like not insulted that they lost the Egg Bowl when 
when Ole Miss fans were like, yeah, thank God we lost the Egg Bowl, that <laughs> Mississippi State fans were like, oh, I guess you guys don't actually care. Oh, forget that stupid game. These schools making decisions based on that stupid game has got to be over. I think it's over. Has to be over. Matt Luke got the job because he won the Egg Bowl because Nick Fitzgerald got hurt. And every Mississippi State fan that I knew that I talked to, including Brian Haydad, said, yeah, almost won the Egg Bowl, but now it's stuck with Matt Luke. When almost lost the Egg Bowl, every almost fan I talked to, yeah, almost lost the Egg Bowl, but almost got rid of Matt Luke. And now it's hired Lane Giffen. <laughs> and you and I posed the question on the podcast, I think a week or so after that happened. Do you think Mississippi State would trade an Egg Bowl win, keeping Matt Luke at Ole Miss and not getting Lane Giffen? Of course they would. And you remember when Steve Robertson was reporting things such as how Ole Miss misled all of these prospects, including the 2016 class, the Greg Little <laughs> class. What do you call this? You almost signed a full class in December, and then you turned around and fired Joe Moorhead in January. If you're all pro player like you said you were, Steve, where is your reporting that Mississippi State should let these kids go of their LOIs? Ben, they start school tomorrow, and if those early enrollees step foot in a classroom, they lose a year of eligibility. Oh, boy. Where's Steve? <laughs> he was all about being on the side of the players and fairness and the integrity of Mississippi recruiting, and where is that guy? Oh, he disappeared the minute it became about Mississippi State. He had book signings to attend. Oh, okay. All right. Steve's a clown. He hates me. I hate him. Awful, awful human being. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in Spotify and SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And when you go into iTunes, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Right for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. I'm done. I'm gone for the week. Colin and someone else, I figure Bennett, are going to do a show later in the week. But yeah, I'm going to Disney World with the family and the in-laws. So pray for Ben. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Absolutely. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.